Hey everybody, happy March. I'm so excited it's daylight savings time and it's gonna be so much lighter, so much later. It's the best. Um, so we're so excited to post this episode. I just wanna say um, I, we're so sorry it took a little bit of time to get this out. Things have been so crazy in both of our lives. Jamie has been traveling like crazy. I've also been traveling like crazy. I just moved to a new town. Um, and so it was such a struggle for us to get this out because there just sometimes there isn't enough time in the day. So we really appreciate your patience. Um, this episode's awesome. Uh, we talk all about, you know, this time of year. You know, you're winding down the school year, but still trying to keep up the momentum. There's a lot of interesting things that can happen during this time. Um, so we talk all about that. Um, and just real quickly, if you don't already, uh, follow us on Instagram. Um, our handle is all things Montessori. It's great. Um, we are going to be launching our website in the next few weeks. We're so excited about that. Um, and more details on that will come soon. Um, and please email us. Um, our email is allthingsmontessoripod at gmail.com. We do respond. We really do. I check it. Um, and so does Jamie. So yeah, but thank you guys so much for listening. It means so much to us. Um, we love doing this um, and there's so much more to come. So thank you for your dedication and patience and being a part of our all things Montessori community. And I hope you enjoy this episode. Well, hey, Jamie, how's it going? Hey, Rachel. Great. How's Great. This how's time of year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's been it's rainy, <laughs> gloomy and dark and not spring yet. I know. I was at least hoping... Well, I don't, I'm, I'm sure other parts of the world have gotten a little bit luckier with their snowfall, but we've had nothing, nothing, no snow day, none, no snow day. And we definitely feel it this time of year. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This time of year, we're at the end of February rolling right into March, which I think March could be one of the longest months in Montessori or in any kind of school environment. What do you think? Yeah, unless someone is lucky enough to have their spring break during March, <laughs> right. it ends up being very, very long. It really uh, does. It really does. Um, and I think, uh, I think there's not, um, there's not any holidays. There's usually not, you know, you're right. There's usually not a break. Um, it's a pretty rigorous month of just straight up school. <laughs> yes. Although some of you may be preparing for another round of parent teacher conferences. Mm -hmm. So if you listen to our uh, episode on that, if you need a little reminder about how to approach those. Otherwise, it's just a, a month of, where you can really dig in and enjoy a time in the classroom. Yeah, so Jamie and I were just talking about how um, there are many different times of year throughout the, in the classroom, you know, you get really excited and then there's maybe a lull or something like that and then there's a break and um, this time of year, end of February, going into March, it's sort of just before spring, but there's this kind of month-long period where, you know, nothing's really going on, but you're also really preparing for the end of the school year. And we were talking through ways to, um, you know, handle that in the classroom and also to keep yourself on track and keep your classroom feeling really good. So that's what we're going to talk about today. 
Um, so let's just start with ideas of, you know, keeping inspiration throughout this time of year. Um, what would you have to say about that, Jamie? I have a few, but I, I guess well, I'll ask I think you first. it's it. I think it's a good idea to really reassess your planning at this time of year. You know, take a look at what you've been able to accomplish with each individual child. So go take a look at your records and see what you've done with with each individual child in each subject area. Really take a good look at the at what you've accomplished and what the child has accomplished and allow that to sort of reframe the rest of the year uh, in your planning for uh, each individual child. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, even if you're really checking your records on a regular basis, um, periodically you really need to take a look at the sort of the whole time you've been with the child or what's been going on so that you can look and say, oh, wow, we've only had five biology lessons this year. Right. Why is that? Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on? So yeah. it's a, that's a good time to just, you know, especially prior to another set of conferences to really take stock and assess where you're at and, and start thinking about where you hope to get with a child, uh, with each child by the end of the year. Because even though the end of the school year feels far away, this is also the time of year when time just passes ends up passing very quickly and before you know it yeah you're the year will be over yes and with the end of the year comes a lot of um end of the year activities that you might be um your class might be involved in and we'll touch on that a little bit later um but you're going to find that you're going to lose time in the end of the year um and another reason is because you know at the end of the year, it's a little bit harder to start something new when you know that the children are going on, you know, summer break or whatever. Another great thing that you can do right now is to amp up your observation in your classroom. And also, um, if it's possible, maybe you can go observe at another Montessori classroom, you know, for a morning or something like that, because that will re-inspire you and also maybe get you some more ideas, just like Jamie was saying about, you know, subject areas you might not have visited in a while. Um, So that's another great idea. And I think too, when you're thinking about what lessons you really want to get done with the children before the end of the school year, this is where your individual meetings with the children just are so handy um, because, you know, you can really check in with them and see what they want to learn before the end of the year. Um, You know, what if you have a child that's, you know, leaving your class or um, going into a new a new grader? Maybe they're going to upper elementary. I mean, whatever. Um, But there might be something that they really want to finish or get to. And um, you can sort of use that as a guiding tool for you um, in this time. And sometimes, too, at this time of year, go ahead and just give some presentations that you that you find bring you joy because Mm -hmm. that's also going to help energize the classroom that maybe has had rainy day recess for two weeks straight or whatever. (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Oh, rainy day recess. Oh, it's always, it's always a rough time. Mm -hmm. That's funny. Yeah. And as you start looking toward the end of the year, um, you know, start blocking off those things, those school-wide events that um, that are going to take some time. And most schools have them. 
Um, there might be a school fundraiser. Mm-hmm. You know, we, my school had an auction and we had to do an auction project every year. So this was the time of year that I really had to make sure my auction p- project was well underway. So it would be done in time for the auction. Um, you know, and, and for a non craftsy person like myself, this was always a big challenge because we usually had, you know, something that the, the classroom made. Um, right. So that's where I tapped, I tapped in on, you know, parents and my assistants, anybody with a more crafts and arts oriented um, experienced mentality that could help me um, and minimize the impact on the classroom as well so that we could have something efficient, but that didn't take up a ton of classroom time. Let's actually talk about that a little bit um, about the impact on the classroom with these sorts of events, because um, I think it's a little tough to navigate um, from the guide's perspective and also from the children's the children's perspective. Um, I had similar end of year things. Um, one included a lot of singing and performing, while another one was more project based. Um, and I found it tough because this isn't our norm, like, you know, allotting time for something mandatory is a little bit against the grain of what is usually going on in the Montessori classroom. Um, and I had this singing performance happening with um, other primary classrooms and the elementary, and you had to get all the children together, and we had to interrupt their work cycle. And I actually found that the children were really not thrilled about interrupting their work so I had to talk with them about it yeah they were like um no I'm working on decimal fractions right now I don't want to go to that at all (laughs) um so that was tough um and and I think it's it deems a conversation with the children um to talk to them about you know maybe why it's happening and you know the reason behind it even though still they might be frustrated um I don't know if you found that with the auction and projects as much, Jamie, but um, with performances, I found that it was pretty disruptive. Yeah, it definitely can be. And I've been through a variety of different sort of annual classroom events um, that 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 can really impact the the day to day life of the classroom. And there's all sorts of reasons that schools do these annual events. You know, they do them for um, community building and connections. So children get to, you know, so that parents get to see their children performing, which um, can be fun and exciting. And, and, um, you know, as a parent, I, I mostly enjoyed some of those performance I had to performances I had to go to, but we also have to think, you know, Generally, I really encourage schools to consider uh, what's, you know, balancing the need for community events against the needs of individual children and keeping in mind that our work here is to serve children's development. Right. And, and you know, too many other events that take away from that individual, you know, free choice of work they get to do and they have to, you know they have to go to rehearsal or they have to um, participate, you know, that that gets in the way of a lot of our Montessori principles. So we want to be careful to 
to really balance that and be conscious of that. It can be easy for schools to have more and more events just keep popping up in a school, the life of a school. So like one year they do this. And so the next year they do that and they add another thing and it, and it can kind of snowball. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it seems to happen, especially at this time of year. Um, so it's just something for schools to be really aware of, um, and careful about. Yeah. The singing I was talking about a little bit earlier, um, we all, the guides, we all sat down together and talked about why we were doing it. And we actually ended up nixing it (laughs) and did something else, um, and sort of incorporated the children more it's for it was for an end of the year celebration so we ended up um, having them plan more aspects of it and you know went to them with their interests and it actually became way more fun um, some of the children really did truly enjoy the singing but you know a group of 30 primary and elementary children all together singing two songs that they don't have a connection with just wasn't working right we felt that we were just sort of doing it um, to do something and I think it's good if you're doing these things with a purpose and a reason um, and also to limit them because, Jamie, you're so right, because I think schools get in a mindset of, um, you know, everybody, you know, you need parent engagement. You need all of those events. They're very important, but there is a fine line and there needs to be a limit um, because at the end of the day, doing Montessori in the classroom and serving the child are number one priority. It's not how many you know, fundraiser events you had a year <laughs> or something, you know? Right, so. right. And and making sure that when we are having children doing performances, that the as much as possible, we can have those come from the children and not be done by adults, um, you know, the, that the children are really involved in all the aspects so that it's a learning experience about what it takes to put on a performance. It's not that the, you know, choir director or the play director, you know, plans and organizes everything and just tells the children right. what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's possible to do that. It just means that we have to adjust as adults sort of our, our timeline on things often and sort of the, the, um, a little bit sort of what sort of quality we can get as we're helping the children gather the skills for a performance and, and try those out. You're, you're not necessarily going to see, you know, a professional level production, which is okay, <laughs> which, which is fine. <laughs> um, Jamie, you did, you did a play or a couple of plays, right? With your class. I never got the mm-hmm. chance to do that. Um, we did things on a smaller level, but we never, I don't know. It was, it was a lot of work. Um, and I, I didn't have, um, I found that having a younger class made it a little bit more challenging. I definitely could have made it work if I, you know, had the wherewithal, but I, I didn't at the time. But um, can you speak to that a little bit? Did you have the children pick a play? Did they write their own play? How did they do it? Uh, so my the one experience I loved the best was when the children did they adapted a Greek myth. Oh, cool. So that was nice because it gave them the story structure there, but they adapted it and made it into a play. So we didn't have to work, you know, they did the writing, but we didn't have to write something completely from scratch and make sure that the plot and everything worked because the plot was already defined. Right. Um, 
And then, uh, so we had us, you know, the group, the, the class decided they wanted to do a play and then they sort of broke off into the different areas of responsibility. Um, you know, some children did the script writing, some children, um, then acted in different roles. Some children, I had the children work with, um, a mom who helped them design and really let them um, design and make their costumes. She just offered some, you know, little bits of keys and expertise. She didn't even want her name in the program. Oh, how uh, great. Because, That's because so she lovely. just wanted to help the children and offer the keys they needed. And, you know, some children designed the program. So we really... You know, not every child was on stage because some mm -hmm. adamantly did not want to be, mm -hmm. but everybody had some sort of a role, whether it was with publicity or with um, stage managing or making props or building the sets. And and then we just performed it in our classroom oh, and nice. set up chairs, as many chairs as we could cram in there for parents and whatnot. Um, and it really, I mean, it was, I think, my favorite experience because it really emerged from the children and they were able to carry out all aspects of it. And we did, I think, two performances, maybe three. So they got in, they got to experience, um, you know, the errors they made the first time and didn't make the second time and then made some other ones the third time or whatever. They got right. They yeah. got that whole experience. And this was an upper elementary class. Um, but they, you know, in a in lower elementary class, they can have some some lower stakes play experiences, skits that are just in the classroom and that mm -hmm. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Um and what we finally did at my school, instead of having the same sort of big, you know, classroom event every year, is that we shifted it uh, from year to year. So we did the play one year. Another year we did a history fair where the children divided into groups based on interest and and created timelines and food and other things of uh, historical cultures. Um, we did a science fair one year where they displayed science research that they had done. We did an art show. So we tried oh, to nice. av avoid what my friend and colleague Elise Hunnicky Stone calls the uh, tyranny of the annual event. Because I sometimes when you, <laughs> right? <laughs> when so you great. do when you do the same event from one year to the next, the expectations begin to rise mm -hmm. and you start becoming sort of, um, you have to do it and you have to make it better than last year and the cost, you know, like all of that. So, so I really tried to avoid that tyranny, um, by changing from an annual play performance, we shifted to uh, a different, a different sort of annual event every year. I love that. And I think another aspect of why doing the same event every year maybe isn't the best idea is I know what you mean by the expectations, like having to outdo yourself, but also you could become completely complacent and just sort of do the same thing over and over again, you know, right, um, just right. like this is what we do. So we're going to do it this way. And then that's such a lack of creativity. Um, so I love the idea of doing something different every year. Um, 
Yeah, in my experience in the classroom, we did things on a smaller scale. Um, but one year we did um, a history event uh, where each child, um, they got to choose like a historical figure that they wanted to make a, they could make anything they wanted to represent them, like a timeline or a diorama or whatever. And it was fantastic. And we had the parents come in and it was really, really fun. Um, but I, I mean, the children get so much pride from showing off stuff like that in whatever medium you want to do it in. Um, so it is really important, even though it does take up a lot of work and you have to balance, you know, you are definitely taking away class time and that can feel really scary. But in a way, they learn so many valuable skills through doing these experiences. Um, so it's not like you're not doing the work. Um, it just looks a little bit different. Like planning and writing a play is so complicated. Putting together a history project takes so much coordination, especially if you're working in a group. Like the experiences they're having and the knowledge they're gaining is still there, 100%. And the, also the fact of putting something together and finishing it, that's also fantastic experience. Um, well, you're you're right about that. You know, this is one sort of thing that where the children, you know, have a, an external reason to finish something. You know, it's it's that you're you know, you're we said we're having this fair from five to seven and you're going to be there. You know, it's not just I said so as your teacher mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. no real other reason. So having some of these external events can be helpful for providing a really clear deadline that has that isn't arbitrary and that has real consequences like if you're not done your your timeline is empty or you know the if you don't know your lines then the play doesn't move forward the way it's supposed to or whatever so those mm -hmm. are good real experiences to give the children on occasion beyond just the classroom experience um, with that with their peers or some arbitrary experience you try to give them by giving them a deadline in the classroom and then having no real natural consequences that emerge totally. from that. Yeah, because that's something that will serve them forever. Like deadlines are just in our society in general. They just are. Um, and so them having that experience, yeah, it's amazing. And not to mention, um, it's so valuable for the parent community. This is a lot about parent building and community within your classroom and outside with the parent community as well. So it's it really brings everybody together. Um, and I think a big reason all of this kind of happens at the end of the year is because, you know, you're culminating all the things that have happened over the year and you're it's sort of a celebration. Um, and so I know we're in <laughs> late February right now. <laughs> so that seems far away. But I mean, what is it? Three months away or less? Right. It's so close, actually. It, think yeah, about it. it'll go by. And especially again, if you've got if you've got a lot of things going on in the spring, which a lot of schools often do. Yeah, it'll it'll go by quickly. It really will. It really will. Um, now's another good time um, to maybe try to amp up your going out program. If um, if no one's been going out in a while, because maybe it's been cold and snowy or rainy or something the weather might be getting a little bit warmer so maybe you could go on a hike or something like that um there's some some opportunities right now to sort of you know reinvigorate some of your children before 
before spring break or before conferences, before you really start honing in on this, you know, all these end of the year activities. Um, there's a lot that could that could happen for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So just have fun during this time and keep everything in mind, you know, make those goals or, you know, aspirations with the children about what they want to work on, what you want to get to with them. Um, maybe do some observation if you have time. Maybe start to trickle in some thoughts about, you know, an end of the year project or activity or something like that that you could start on. There's a lot of ways that you can, you know, make it through March in really, really fun ways before April and May just fly before your eyes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and I think like what you've said a few times on this, too, is that, you know, I really like these are elementary children. So a lot of times we can just talk to them about things. We can talk to them about the end of year expectations amidst the school culture. We can talk to them about what might get them inspired and work again or what they want to get before the end of the year. We can have these reasonable conversations with them because mm -hmm. they're at an age of reason. So don't forget to don't forget to to offer them that respect of having those kinds of conversations with them. Absolutely, because they feel it too. They definitely feel it too. They know that, you know, you know, the break's over, you know, spring is coming. They're thinking, I mean, yes, they're thinking about, you know, everything in the universe at the same time, but they are really in tune um, with that time. And, you know, they know the year will come to a close. So, yeah, Jamie's right. Just, you know, sit down and talk to them. They love it. They really do. Um, and it's great for your relationship and it's great for the child and it's great for you. 